0: I'm Raghu Marcus, and this is Ramdas Here and Now, a new episode. I think we're going to call this Renun- real, true renunciation. This is a talk, again, those talks between the first time Ramdas went to India and came back, which was, uh, he went in 66, 67, came back, end of 67, so these talks, 68, 69, into the first uh, two-thirds of 70 before he went back to India. There's some really essence material because we've been looking. Here's a little announcement. We're going to have a wonderful summer online practice course. And we're, we're, we're pulling all sorts of material from Ram Dass. And each week, we're going to present... To whoever wants to be part of this, you'll get a notification and be able to sign up. And uh, you'll get a different practice each week. One will be meditation, one will be chanting, one will be mantras, one will be yoga. And uh, you'll you'll be able to do these practices on a day-to-day basis. I think it'll be quite a great thing for this summer. So in the course of looking for uh, material for the course this is one of the talks that we came by uh nathan who curates for us and uh, and we we we're finding a lot of this rich material is in these earliest talks so it's interesting uh before i get into this by the way i do want to uh since i was doing a little bit of here's what's coming Uh, Here's a little bit of here's what's now that we'd love some help on. And that's, uh, you know, that uh, we have uh, a a separate podcast network, which Ram Das is part of, which Krishna Das is part of, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Lama Surya Das, and others. And um, we're doing a crowdfunding for it because we do need support. We're also busy here working with uh, the foundation and so on, but people love these podcasts and they're really feeding a need. And so we decided that we needed to raise some money because one of the principal things we need to do is create an app, a smartphone app because nobody goes to websites anymore. And we need to make this app a hub for all of the offerings. And we're going to be creating new offerings with all of these amazing teachers so please go to mindpodnetwork.com and you'll see a banner there that'll link you over to our Indiegogo campaign and we'd love for you to help uh because it it really is serving a need and uh in the beginnings just I started doing these podcasts that I'm doing right now with Ramdas and then it extended into doing uh mind rolling with David Silver and then it one thing led to another and now we have all of our what we call the low hanging fruit club. <laughs> all of our friends and teachers we've been close to for all of these decades uh, as part of this network. So it's very rich teaching material. Okay, enough said. And uh, so, renunciation, true renunciation. So he uh, talks about, Ramdas talks about. Uh, renunciation does not mean you go off in the mountains and sit in a cave, okay? External actions are not what is required. And interestingly enough, uh, one time uh, when I was first in India with Maharaji, after I, like many, followed Ram Dass back to India that second time, I, uh, it's, I won't tell the whole story. I have told it before. It's this uh, amazing uh, meeting, darshan, that I had of Kalu Rinpoche, one of the great Tibetan lamas of the last century. And uh, I found, and, and it has to do with Maharaji telling me that this was all going to happen the day before uh, it happened to me, and that was that I was to have darshan of a Tibetan lama, which I did, and, uh, and he was going to give me teachings for uh, 30, 40 minutes, which happened. Uh, but what happened was I asked this very question, do I have to stay in the mountains and sit in a, in a uh, alone-type environment, a cave. Although I wasn't really thinking about a cave, I think I was a little too into comfiness <laughs> at the time. Still am. Uh, but I was talking about uh, being able to be completely away from people and uh, and renounce any kind of worldly activity. So I asked him, Do you, "Is this what? Is this the only way to achieve peace?" Uh, I can't seem to find it. I'm in, I met him, I was in New Delhi. And I said, it's very difficult here. So he said, absolutely not necessary to uh, find inner peace through meditation in a cave or alone, whatever, uh, or in, in a spot where there isn't uh, worldly activity. That, and he gave me the example of the seven siddhas of India, each of whom became enlightened through their work. One was a weaver, one was a potter, uh, and so on. And uh, through their complete devotion to that one thing that they did as an offering, uh, through that love of, of, of that work, they became realized. So this just uh, this talk that Ramdas is giving here has a lot to do with uh, the kind of renunciation that is real. Is in he says renunciation is internal dropout, not external dropout. That's a big thing for us in the West because we're so achievement oriented, and uh, and we we think that we need to uh, lie on a bed of nails, kind of a deal. Uh, to uh, uh, to achieve enlightenment, and even that thought is spurious. Uh, and I always, uh, uh, you know, people sometimes write and 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 they ask questions uh, of Ramdas and uh, uh, around this kind of a quandary of enlightenment and what do I need to do and the severe austerities that I need to do, for, you know, to be enlightened and. I remember I just said something the other day to somebody. I said, M- myself, I don't really think about that kind of stuff. I think that Maharaji is going to put in front of me whatever it is that I need to transform to just be a kinder, more loving, more compassionate person. I mean, that's that's my goal. Uh, enlightenment and realization, uh, that's, uh, that's up to him. So... Uh, but certainly, renunciation, uh, inner renunciation is uh, is critical to being able to even connect with the true part of yourself. So, There's some wonderful stuff here also about the witness. And uh, the first step of karma yoga is to get free of attachment to your own life. Uh, to, to get free of attachment to your own life is to develop a witness. And he talks about gurjeev And by the way, those of you who... Uh, you should look up Gurdjieff. Uh, He was an amazing Westerner from the early part of the last century, middle part of the last century, um, who had a very Western uh, perspective on getting free. And he used to talk about the different me's. There's one me, and that there was one me that watches all the other me's. And we're not trying to change any of the me's, nor judge, nor evaluate. It just notes the karmic action. So a really good... Uh, uh, elaboration here from Ramdas about Gurdjieff's method and w- the witness which is highly uh, necessary to move forward, certainly. Um, well, at this point I just want to quote one thing um, that's always important for us to remember day to day that uh, he talks about. He says, by letting go everything gets done. The world is won by those who let it go. But when you try and try, the world is then beyond the winning. I think he's quoting somebody. I don't remember who. Maybe he'll say it when you listen. But I love that. Uh, and developing the letting go muscle, as Krishnadas calls it. So here it is. It's a, a more than just about renunciation, but that is a centerpiece, uh, certainly in the first part of the the talk and there's some uh, also some great mantras that he's gonna that he includes that uh, that I love Om Mani Me being one of them Aditya Riddhayam Punyam Sarv Shatru Bina Shanam. and uh, so this is a a rich talk from uh, a long time ago June twelfth sixty nine cheese. Really, huh? So, this is Ramdas here and now. And again, thank you for your support uh, for everything we do here at the Love Server Member Foundation and ramdas.org. Uh, please do continue that support that allows us to uh, continue doing everything that we're doing. And we've got some terrific news coming up in the next uh, months. Uh, this fall we're going to have a couple of of great offerings and I'm excited about the about the summer course so tune in to Ramdas.org for more information and we'll see you next week this show is sponsored by BetterHelp stop for
1: a moment and think about something that you really need to get off your chest it could be frustration with your job or a coworker. It could be fear or uncertainty about the future. It could be a secret that you've been hiding for years. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Speaking with a therapist on a regular basis is also a great way to improve your communication skills. Learn to resolve conflict, increase your self-awareness and self-esteem, develop positive coping strategies, build stronger relationships, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, plus switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/Ramdas today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com slash Ramdas.
2: Now let me answer a few of those questions. What is the desire about? The desire, you see, is the is the distorted attempt to come to the light. Through the external senses. Let's say you, I pick up a hitchhiker and he says, Man, look at those waves. I wish I had, I wish I could go surfing. Surfing is the way. Surfing is the way. Man, I'm gonna surf for the rest of my life. That's the way. That really is it. What has he touched with surfing? He gets on the top of that wave and it's just right and he's in tune with all the forces of nature and he transcends his ego and he's in a place where, yeah, it's all right. Feeling of fulfillment, feeling of contentment, feeling of happiness, feeling of, yeah. The sexual act, that's the big upaya of the West, big method of getting high. If you're lucky, if you're really good at, at tantric methods, you can extend that period, but you, there is a period when everybody gets to that place where you have transcended yourself. It's no longer my making it with so-and-so. It is a, an experiential state in which there happen to be four arms and four legs and a consciousness. And you've broken through with that moment and you say, Oh, wow, is this good. Oh, I'd like to stay here forever. Mm. Fulfillment, contentment, finite. finite. Psychedelics, finite. Hatha yoga, pranayama, finite. Every method... but each time we touch that place and when we say she really turns me on we're saying it very straight we're saying she allows me to touch that place in myself where it all is remember what this place is sat chit ananda absolute existence absolute knowledge absolute bliss You've got to understand what the game is here, what the two birds in the bush are about that you're giving up the bird in the hand for. Because the two birds in the bush are the whole business. You want a little dollop? You want a 30 seconds of bliss? Or would you like eternal bliss? You want to sit in the place? You want to be it? Then I mean, you've got to understand where my guru's head is at. What, what he's in what's called Sahaja Samadhi. It is just as if Ananda means, uh, with capital A, total bliss, it means as if he were locked in total ecstatic sexual union with the entire universe every moment. I mean, that's enough for me. But the rule of the game is you've got to give it all up to have it all. And the the drama involves the fact that he who seeks cannot go through the door. I mean, man, I want to have all that bliss. I will die in the process. And then there will be all that bliss renunciation that is required does not mean you go off to the mountains and sit in the cave. You may do that. That may be your method or you may never miss a step in the Lila Rasa. You may be a housewife doing your thing or you may be a protester doing his thing or a soldier doing his thing or a businessman doing his thing or a dropout doing his thing. That's all irrelevant. That is all irrelevant. Your external actions are not what we're talking about. Think about that. The external dropout, if you think that's what it's at, that's a cop out. You may drop out because that's your thing. I'm a dropout. That's who I am. Sam the dropout. <laughs> but don't confuse the issues because renunciation is internal dropout, not external dropout. It's much harder than that. See? Because I can go, like, I went to the temple and I was sitting in the temple those many months. Here I'm sitting in a cold cement room and they're giving me one meal a day of kind of lukewarm rice and dal, like lentil, and, um, and nothing much is happening. And I'm sitting there feeling like I'm doing this really far out thing, you know, I'm sitting in a temple meditating all the time. In the Himalayas, what could be more? I mean, from my image of like the, the way the books read, that's a big thing. Me and Milarepa, we're gonna grow, uh, you know, green nettle fur all over our body. And I'm getting thin so you can see my ribs like a real yogi, you know? And, uh, and I at night, sometimes I get under the covers, see, and I'm just going to lie down and I'm doing my mantra. But I'm thinking, and I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about unfinished business in the West. And I wonder what's happening to that rock and roll group. I wonder how my father's doing. I wonder how Carol is. I wonder what Tim's up to. And every now and then Maharaji calls me over and he says, "Um, you were in America last night. (laughs) So what good is it sitting in the temple in the Himalayas? Because renunciation is renunciation inside, not outside. Renunciation of attachment, 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 attachment attachment to all of the melodrama, to all of your patent plays. You appreciate this scene. I mean, this is a fantastic production put on by Central Casting. They hired us all, we go here, we're doing our gig, you're in the role of listeners and I'm speaking and, you know, I'm supposed to look like a holy man. But don't let's take it seriously. I mean, let's remember who we really are. I am without form, without limit, beyond time, beyond space. That's what's available. available. Without attachment, without desire. How do you get rid of a desire? What does it mean to be without desire? On human motives built into the system? I used to teach human motivation, and I'd say, these are the human motives. Whose motives? Who am I? Am I he who has motives and desires? I often talk about one of my desires that is still very extant, the desire for root beer. <laughs> I would be sitting in my uh, meditation room, being very holy, and I'm thinking about root beer. (laughs) All right, now that's an attachment. Or sometimes I'm sitting in in the meditation room and I'm not thinking about root beer, and the next moment I'm at my father's refrigerator with a bottle tilted back, drinking root beer. And I say to myself, damn you, you're drinking root beer again. You'll never become a realized being." Now, you've got to understand that the statement damn you and the drinking of the root beer are all attachment. The only part that's helpful is the little witness inside that says, look at him drinking root beer. Look at him putting himself down for drinking root beer. (laughs) Because the first step of karma yoga, to get free of the attachments to your own life, is to develop a witness. Gurjeev talks about the different me's in the body there's the me that sets the alarm clock at night and the me in the morning who says, who in hell set this alarm clock? <laughs> and we have thousands and thousands of these me's. And there is one me that watches all the other me's, right? That's its only game. It's not trying to change any of the me's. It's not evaluating them, it's not the judge, it's not the superego. It doesn't care about anything, it just notes it. It's not even looking, it's just noting it. It's noting, hmm, there he is doing that. That witness, that place inside you is your centering device, and that begins to be the work one does on oneself. Once one understands there is a place in oneself that one is not attached, the first job is to extricate yourself from attachment. Like, I am doing a mantra now, the Tibetan mantra inside of me is going around. me, hung me, 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 That has been going on all day today. And that's where I am living, inside that place. And this guy that's speaking to you is, look at him speaking. Look at him speaking. In other words, the path is the path of going. And I may be laying too much on you, but I'm really trying to share with you this stuff. The path is going from many subjects and many objects down to one subject and all the rest object. And then the last step, like Ramana Maharshi, I am not the I thought, is turning in on that subject and making it object. And then you go through a door and then it's all subject. You grok the universe in Heinlein's turn. Because you and I both know where, quote, High is, where Heliopolis is, where Highsville, where the place is. And we know there are two qualities of it that are very clear. One is that it's outside of time, and the other is that there is no subject-object in that world. And yet the thinking mind works in time, and it deals only with subject and object. And therefore, it is only when you come into the immediate now, right now, right here now, here we are, right now, right here now, now, now. And here's a new now, still here, here, right in here, right in this place, here, here, here now. From in here now, you watch time go by. You don't be in time, you be and time goes by in the same way as if you were standing on a bridge and watching it all go under the bridge. That is the eternal present. And subject object is the other key to getting out of it, getting out of this particular frequency range so that you at least have the choice of your frequency. See, the illusion is that this is the only reality. This is as real as any of the rest of it, because it's all illusion. But you don't have any choice, and the only hope for us is that we get to the point where we can at least flip the die. As long as you're in a human body, you are in illusion, but you can move in and out of various illusions, until finally you become he who is behind all illusion, such it an astral plane, demons. You know, the funny thing that really blew my mind was when I found out that it all is real. It's all just as real as this is. Every time you dream, you're dreaming in the astral plane. And the funny thing is that every time we got, we, we physical beings, manifestations, think we're thinking up something like Mickey Mouse or Captain Marvel or Captain Strange. It's all real. It's all real because our desires create our universe and when you are an astral being, you create all those universes. And no man thinks up anything new, he merely brings forth some other manifestation. At the moment there is a great deal of attachment to the astral world and occult powers. As far as the concern of the people that I am being trained by, which are Ashtanga yogis, it's called Raja Yoga, the statement is very clear. Any power is a new trap. Any beings on any plane are just your desires. Give it all up. Keep going. Because as groovy as it may be, even if it's grooviest here, the astral plane is infinitely more groovy. I mean, wait till you travel like light. You want to create a mango tree with a peach on it, and then make it disappear? You want to make a whole universe made of diamonds? Go ahead, sure. You're given all that power. You want to be god of the wind? Sure, groovy. Be god of the wind. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, "Those that pray to heaven go to heaven." The Christian heaven is like the first of seven levels. There's God, the Lord, and the demons. And the devil and the, the archangels. Sure, you wanted to have it. More illusion. More illusion. However, the game is of bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotion, is you use the illusion as leverage to get yourself into another place and then give that one up and keep going. Yoga means union. Yoga means union. All of these methods, Karma Yoga, the yoga of daily life, Bhakti Yoga, the yoga of love and devotion, Gyan uh, Yoga, the yoga of the intellect going to it, through itself, the mind going beyond itself, Hatha Yoga, the yoga of the body, Sun and Moon. All of these yogas end up with union, same place, they all go to the same place, every yoga goes to the same place. Each person finds the yoga that is suitable to him. Raja yoga, the yoga that I pursue, is peculiarly unique to my particular trip, it's not for many other people. It includes, Ashtanga yoga includes eight limbs, eight limbs. The first two limbs are purification, each of them includes five little things. The first one includes non-killing, non-stealing, non-lying, non-giving and receiving of gifts and brahmachari or sexual continence. Not many people want to go on that trip in the west. I mean, we just got sexual freedom, man, we're not about to go on that trip. The second called niyama includes cleanliness tapas or austerities, study, surrender, and contentment. The third limb involves asanas or getting your seat or hatha yoga or getting your nerves opened and your body calms. so you can turn it off and leave it. The fourth is called pranayama, which is breath control or control of pran through breath. And the fifth through the eighth are techniques of calming the mind. Desire is the trap. Desire is the attachment to your senses and to your thinking mind. Wow, think of that. Who made that noise? What's happening now? Gee, that memory, that plan. Wow, and your mind. Vivekananda says, our minds are like a drunken monkey. He says it's like a monkey that's been fed the wine of desire and bitten by the scorpion of jealousy. And it's full of pride, and it's just rushing madly around. Now, 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 this thought, this thought, this thought. So you want to get rid of it? You just sit down. Do like the southern Buddhists do. You sit down, and you find that place right here in your abdomen where every time you breathe in, it goes up, and every time you breathe in out, it goes down. In, out, in, out, in, out. And every time it goes up you say rising, and every time it goes down you say falling. Into yourself. Rising, fall, Rising, falling. Rising, fall. rising. Fall. Sit down sometime and do that for three hours. You went to Salon, and you went all the way to Salon to become an enlightened being, and you went into a monastery, put you in a little room, and they'd say, notice this place in your abdomen that goes up and down. Every time it goes up, you think rising. Every time it goes down, you think falling. You understand? You say, yes. They say, thank you. They walk out. Two weeks later, they come back, say, how you doing? Well, what was I supposed to do? Didn't you hear my instructions? Rising. Was that all? I did that for a few minutes. Now, keep on doing it. Well, I can't spend all my time. I've got more important things to do. What? Well, I've got things to think about. What? Well, I mean, the day is beautiful. I want to enjoy it. Oh, well, go ahead. And when you finish, come on back. We have eternity. It's no right. The Hindus say a prerequisite for this trip is what they call virag. Virag means non-attachment. It means non-worldly attachment to worldly things. I mean first I had a motorcycle and it was a groove to drive on Skyline Boulevard at 90 miles an hour in the fog at night and do hill climbing and all kinds of things like that and then I got to the point where the motorcycle sat in the garage. Virag. I was in effect done with motorcycles. How many things have you been done with? We all have a whole lifetime of Barag, of the onset of, un, of non-worldliness, the finish with worldliness. You can look and you can see exactly where you are on the trip. How far along are you? Because everything that's still holding you, everything that's keeping you as attached, doesn't mean what you do. It means where your attachments are. At one point, I said to uh, my teacher, What is LSD? He thought about it for two weeks and he wrote me a note, which is the following note. He said, LSD is like a Christ in America, which is awakening the young folk in Kali Yuga. That's the dark age. America is a most materialistic country. Therefore, God has shown his avatar in a form of LSD, a material. They wanted a material for approaching God, and they got it in the form of LSD. A man who has not tasted things thinking is true, how he will get the feeling of these things? How do I interpret that? Interpretation is that the psychedelics show us the possibility. But just as in Christ's parable of the wedding feast, if you try to go to the wedding without the wedding garment on, you get bound hand and foot and cast into outer darkness, and there's much crying and gnashing of teeth. And man, I've been cast into outer darkness so many times And what is the wedding garment? The wedding garment is the purification. And what is the purification? The purification is non-attachment. It's like when Mahatma Gandhi gets shot, he doesn't sit and say, at his last moment he doesn't say, who shot me, or you shot me, or I forgive you, or, or here we go, or, or save the union, or anything. He says, Ram, or... Oh. Says the name of God and he goes out. He just goes towards the light. No attachment. He's not holding on to life. Not holding on to life. You can only love life when you can love death. When there is no fear. When there is no fear. The fear of death is the prime motivating force in this country at this moment. A realized being would say, one to me is fame and shame, one to me is loss and gain, one to me is pleasure and pain. Can you say that? No? Who is that that says no? Me? Who's that? Well, I don't like pain. Who doesn't like pain? I don't. Who's that? Who is that? Who is that? Is that who you are? That's the illusion. That's the illusion. That's what keeps you stuck in the place. That's what brings you down. It's that set of definitions. And finally, when you see how it is, the only thing to do is to start to calm the mind down and center it and watch your own desires go by. The terrible beauty of nature. How poignant it all is. How beautiful a divine mother is. She's everything. She creates and she destroys. She creates and she destroys. Ramakrishna had a vision. He saw a woman of exquisite beauty ascend from the Ganga, from the Ganges, and slowly approach the Panchavati, the place he was staying. Presently, he noticed she was about to be a mother. In a short time, she gave birth to a lovely child and was nursing the babe with utmost tenderness. A moment later, he observed she was no longer tender, but had assumed a terrible aspect. She put the child between her jaws and crushed it to pieces. Swallowing it again, she hid herself in the gange. I have been meditating in a little house in Gorda, in, in Big Sur, and there was a cat that went with the house, and I'd be sitting in meditation, and the cat would bring in a mouse or a rabbit that had just killed, or was in the process of killing, and it would bring it to me as a gift. And I would be being very holy, and this cat would sit next to me, crunching on the skull of this animal. And the only thing that was available to me was the emotion of infinite and unbearable compassion. And what is compassion? Compassion is a total empathy with how it all is. Because when you are all of it, you are the mouse's skull and you are the cat crunching it and you are the you that is horrified by it and you are the whole business. And that too, and that too, and that too. And you've got to examine all of the dramas you're involved in, all of your patent place, to see where you are caught in the melodrama, because if the other thing besides time you've got to get out of is subject object, you realize that any time you think of another human being as him, or her, or them you are perpetuating the illusion which is keeping you down. And the next statement that is also true is the only thing we have to offer to another human being is our being, is our state of being. If I protest against war angrily, don't you see I am creating the very thing I'm trying to get rid of. That it is only when one is free of attachment that one can make a statement that does not create its polar opposite. Because if somebody comes up to me and treats me like him, I can get caught in their head and I'll start to feel like him. And then if I'm him, they're him to me. And then the polarization gets more and more and more extreme. Take it in lovemaking. There are three levels at which a man and a woman can relate to one another. There is the relation between John and Mary, personalities. There is the relation of yin and yang, polarities, energy poles. In both of those, the word lust is appropriate. That is, you are turned on by the other person as object, as them. And then, through the method, you get to the place where we are us, briefly. There is still another method, and that is to establish with another human being the place of us and calm down and calm down until we are here and there is one consciousness and two bodies, and then the two bodies do the dance of nature, which is what they are, and through that dance, they create energy which we draw up to keep us right in this place of unity. And once you are in this place of unity, to, quote, make love in the old-fashioned head models of, of subject-object brings you down. Brings you down. It's as simple as that. And you're just not going to settle for it, finally. You've got to understand what desire-creates-the-universe means. You create, all. a peaceful man lives in a peaceful universe. This is not hiding one's head in the sand, this is the only leverage one has on the prawn of the universe, on the illusion. If I stop at a gas station and the guy is wiping my windshield, windshield, who is the guy? He is God and I am God. You see, we in the West have been educated for so long about individual differences. Taller, shorter, richer, poorer, older, younger, them, us, establishment, hippies, dropouts, drop-ins. Man, we got it coming out of our ears. So many discriminations. Behind all those discriminations, here we are. The minute you do the flip-over so that the figure becomes ground and the ground becomes figure, everybody you look at is the same person. I mean, if if I know Sam, I know Sam whether Sam's wearing a blue shirt or a green shirt, don't I? And I can still discriminate blue shirts and green shirts, but I don't confuse Sam in the blue shirt with Sam in the green shirt. I don't think they're two different people. I know Sam. Well, the fact is, here we all are, and we are all God. Now, what are we going to do about that? If we all knew who we were, there would be in this room at this moment one consciousness, and all these manifestations. That's why I said at the beginning, if you think you're listening, you're in the wrong place. It's like I know I'm not talking. I do a mantra called Aditya Hridayam Punyam Sav Shatru Bina shanam punyam All evil vanishes from life for him who keeps the sun in his heart. And I think of the sun. The sun warms. It doesn't say, I'll warm you because you're good. I won't warm the bad guys. It doesn't say, I'll only warm you if you'll pay me. It is light, it is consciousness, it is warmth. Surya Atman jagtasta Sushcha. Surya, the sun is the Atman, is the god of the physical universe. It is light, it is consciousness, it is energy. Be like the sun. Start out warming things. So you will say, well, I can't warm him, man. He thinks he's like the fuzz, or he thinks he's object, or he thinks he's a bad guy. That's his head, that's his desire. You create your universe. My teacher writes on his slate, if you wear shoe leather, the whole earth is covered with leather. And he says, if you think on God, the whole world is God. If somebody, quote, brings you down, quote, brings you down, that brings me down, understand that that is your head. You are creating your universe. Got to come back there all the time. You want to help somebody? Help yourself. That's a scary one. I mean, don't we help people? You don't help people if you think you're helping them. How do you like that one? That's what the non-giving and receiving of gifts is about. Because as long as you think you're giving me something, forget it. Because neither of us can afford it. Because all it's doing is creating a subject-object relationship between us. That's why America gives away all this stuff and everybody hates her. She's saying, look what I'm giving you. Let's see If the mentality of America was, look, God gave us all this wheat, we got more than we need, you need it, it's it's our mouth, the offer is our mouth, and this is our wheat, here, have it. You use it now. Then there's no giving and there's no receiving. Then it's all cool. See, it's all cool. Because anything, just like lying and stealing, these are all the same things, they all create subject object By passion for the peers of opposites, by those twain snares of like and dislike, Prince, all creatures live bewildered, save some few who quit of sins, holy in act, informed, freed from opposites, and fixed in faith, cleave unto me, says Krishna in the Gita. You've got to finish with opposites. You've got to get finished with opposites. We and them is a state of mind. If you don't like living in that state, change your mind. Somebody else says, but there are we and them. That's his mind. You live in your mind. Because I'll tell you another secret. The most most ferocious sheriff's deputy in the southern small town... the fiercest North Vietnamese, the toughest guy in the FBI, the hardest meth head, all want to be God. And they all want to be the sun, and they all want to be love, and they all want to be warm. See, all you got to do is tap in on the universal place and all the rest of it. I came back from India, and I found my father, who was a 70-something-year-old man who was busy getting ready to die. He had lost his wife. He was depressed. His whole life, he felt, had been a failure. As, you know, it's the whole syndrome of that place you get in life. He was looking back in the past, and I came back, and he picked me up at the airport, and he took one look at this Meshuggana kid, you know, the, with the beard and the dress and the whole business, and he, he, he didn't even know how to deal with it and he came and he started talking about making his will and it was all over for him and all i saw was this very all i felt was this compassion like the mouse eating the uh, the uh, cat eating the mouse and i heard all the drama but i didn't climb into that particular melodrama i just kept centering and kept centering and that's hard with your father because you've got years of habits years of habits And I just kept centering, and then I kept living in the here and now. And he said, "Um, you want to uh, make some raspberry jam? Sure. So he starts to make the raspberry jam, and he's talking about the past, and I'm busy making the raspberry jam. There's nothing in my life I got to do but make raspberry jam. It's all here now. And he's here, and he's telling me the stories, and they're going through me like Chinese food, and I'm doing my mantra. (laughs) And on it's going. And very quickly, very quickly, he starts to feel, wow, it's really good to hang out with him, because it's all right here and now, right here and now. That was in May. That was just a year ago. From a depressed guy getting ready to die, in February, I gave the bride away for his new marriage, and he's now on his honeymoon. And when he brought his wife to the apartment, he said, Rich, I can't make it by myself. He calls me rum <laughs>
0: It's
2: beautiful. It's beautiful.
1: Huh?
2: He says, I can't make it by myself. Would you help me carry across the threshold?
1: And now he's on his honeymoon in
2: Scotland. And he's right here and now. I mean, it's all right here and now. He's not living in the past. He's not living in the future. He's right here and now. And that is the exact message. When the guy is washing the windshield, here we are, we're God. This moment is the only moment in the universe. This is it. This is not quick wash the windshield so I can get on to California. This is the moment. I stopped at a Shell station in Vermont, I recall. The guy washed the windshield, and I just looked at him, and he, I was just signing the credit card and looking at him, and nothing, I wasn't saying to him, I am God, you are God, I am love, you are love, don't you realize you're love, you're not a shell station attendant. <laughs> I was just signing the credit card, and he was. we were talking about my old car and how groovy it was and all that kind of stuff, and that was all, and he felt that thing, he felt that thing, because... A human relationship is as high as the highest link. It's as strong as the strongest link. So if you can get your vibrational frequency up, everything around you comes up to that place because it's all reaching for that place anyway. It'll go through all its quivery doubts and all you're going to do is keep centering and then you are creating your universe. And then he said to me, say, let me show you my car." So I got out and we went behind the garage and looked at his car. Then he said, I'd really like my wife to meet you. We went up and met his wife. She said, won't you stay for lunch? So I stayed for lunch. I realized I could move in and live there forever. And there was was no reason why I should leave. I mean, how do we define he's a Shell station attendant and I'm just passing through? Who's caught in that drama? Here we are. This is the moment. Now, what is this moment? Here we are. Nobody's going anywhere. minute you're free of patent place, then everybody around you gets liberated. That's why a guru, the concept of guru is different from the concept of teacher, you understand. Teacher is another person in the melodrama who points the way, says it's out that way. A guru is it. He's pure mirror. There's nobody home. He just shows you where you're not immediately and he's right there and it's waiting for you and it's so warm and baby, come on in. And he doesn't even say, come on in, because he doesn't care. Right? But he's right here all the time. And you've got to dig how you can't have one little bit of impurity in your game. You've got to really be right here. There's a, uh, I go into the bank in this little town of Franklin, New Hampshire, and I go to the teller at the window, and she'd be this woman about 50, corseted, tight-lipped, New Englander, looking at this guy with a beard, hippie. And she'd be like, I'll touch his money, but I won't enjoy it. One of those kind of things. And I'm thinking, you are God. I am God. Here we are again. We've known each other forever. And this time, you're the bank teller. And we were lovers. And you've been my mother. And I've been your child. And I've been your teacher. And you've been my God. And we've been here forever. And here we still are. And I can, in her, in her head, if we had this dialogue, it would be, I'm a bank teller, I'm not God, I'm a bank teller, i no. But see, at the same moment, at the same moment, if my thing is impure, one little bit, if there's one little element in me that's saying, come on, baby, be God, it'll never work. I can't be attached to the effort, to the fruits of my actions. I just... Do it cause I do it, cause I do it, cause I do it. And if I can do it without attachment, I do not create any paranoia in the other person. And then at the end, as I'm leaving, the corners of her mouth can turn up just ever so slightly. Because it feels good to her and it feels safe to let it know, let it be feeling good. But the minute there would be one thing in me that would think of her as object, like, come on, lady, be in love. It'll be horrible because paranoia takes two to dance. See, you can't be paranoid all by yourself if everybody around you won't be paranoid. Do you ever have somebody in a... I was once in an LSD session of um, professional pushers and we were all taking uh, intravenous LSD and it was very beautiful and I was very high and suddenly I felt there was a very funny vibration in the room and one of the guys was having a rough time. He's a beautiful guy, he was just having a... He was caught. And I went over and I fell down next to him and I said, well, man, you've caught my skull, what are you going to do with it? I mean, you've you've taken my head from where it was, you must want it, what do you want to do with it? And he looked at me and he says, I'm going to take my chick and my motorcycle and I'm going to go home and I'm going to get my 38 revolver and I'm going to come here and I'm going to blow your fucking brain down with hate in his eye, and I said to him, well, man, if you do that, you're going to be killing a really beautiful cat. <laughs> but if you got to do it, go ahead. But when you're outside, dig these stars because they're really beautiful, you know, on your way. And I'm with you, but I'm going to stay here because it's warm and all your friends are here. and We all love you. But you go ahead and you go get your gun and do your thing. It's all cool. And he went to the door, and he looked around, and he started to go out, and he looked at the stars, and he looked back, and he looked out, and looked back. And then he started to cry, and he came back and fell down, and he broke through. Because nobody was into his drama with him. And you say, well, that's all right, but think of the other cases, it's always impurity. It's always impurity. Buddha's shield that kept Mara, the demon, from screwing up his enlightenment, was that purity. Is that purity of not being in subject-object? Karma is subject-object. Exactly what it is. So you realize your desires create your universe. You calm your head down, so you watch attachment go by and don't identify with it, and be perfectly centered in here. Om mani padme hum. Om mani padme hum. Om mani padme Watching it all go by. And then your statement of being will create the universe that you dream of living in. Your desire will create your universe. Simple as that. Simple as that. The statement, you have to give it all up to have it all, means you have to have gone beyond compassion to then be compassionate. You have to see that it is all nothing. There is no you, there is no me, there is no one speaking, there is no one listening, there never was. All of these are merely changing forms in the pattern of illusion, but for a brief second here. When you know that and sit here where nothing's happening, then you can be in the world of form and illusion with great compassion and see how long. Only then, only then, clinging neither to the void nor to compassion, it's the paradox of the two-in-one. Every time I feel compassionate for our melodrama, I see there's nothing here, and every time I see there's nothing here, I feel infinite compassion. By letting go, it all gets done. The world is won by those who let it go, but when you try and try, the world is then beyond the winning. People say, well, what are you doing? I say, I'm doing what I'm doing. I do what I do. What else is there to do? I am not driving through Iowa in order to get to California, although I am headed towards California. When I am in Iowa, I am in Iowa. And when I'm in California, I'm in California. When I'm here, I'm here. And it's always right here. It's always right here.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org.
1: show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What do you need to get off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, develop positive coping skills, and much more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ramdas today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash ramdas.